Well, good morning. How are you today? It is good to be with you. Welcome as well to our online family. We're very grateful for you. Hey, look, there's always a storm in life, right? And, and that storm, by the way, it, it can come in various functions and forms. You know, you can have storms in the reality of the fact that, you know, we go through seasons of life that are very challenging and difficult. I would say uh, the last six months have created a storm for a lot of people, right? Uh, it's kind of been one of those storms of life moments. And it's beyond your control. It's one of the things you can't see happening, uh, but yet it comes at you and it challenges you deeply in various ways. Uh, I know many people in the last six months of life because of something that has occurred that is beyond the control of anything you could have planned or expected, it will challenge you. It's like a storm. Hey, uh, we don't need any more first time in history moments in 2020, right? But yet, for those of us living in this region, hey, uh, how about it, man? Two hurricanes converge into one, and, and they make a beeline right for us in New Orleans. I mean, isn't that exciting, right? I mean, we need another one. I mean, let's just let's go on and pile it on, right? It's like, hold my coffee for a minute. I mean, what a great challenge these storms bring. But can I tell you something about the storms of life? Um, they're going to come. They're going to come in various functions. They're going to come in various forms. Uh, some of them are external. Some of them are internal and some of them, you know, you just are going to have to battle through and hold on while you face that storm. They are beyond our control. But can I tell you something? We started this last week and I want you to understand um, about, you know, these storm moments and how do you overcome? I want, I want to start back with the first thing. You are essential. You, you can't battle a storm if you're not in it. You can't overcome the challenges of life if you're not committed. You can't face the difficulties that are going to come your way if you're not all in. You are essential. You are essential. And how you face the storms of life, it matters. And today, we're going to talk about who you face the storms of life with. Because it's not only about facing the storms that are going to come our way, the challenges that are going to come our way. And it's not just this individual moment where you can say, I am essential, I matter, and it's all about me. No, it's who you face life with. And there's something about the church that's very unique. If you'll remember principle number one that we started with last week in this series of essential you are essential, but why are you essential? Because you are a part of the body of Christ. It's not just this individualistic faith that we have. No, it's a part of belonging to a group of people. You belong to the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, everyone is essential. And when we hear this phrase that, that's been spoken, and perhaps even in the months ahead, if you read the news, um, there may be this dialogue that happens again. Well, this group is essential to making our country work. This group is essential. And here's what you find about the word essential and when people use that in dialogue out there. You're essential if you benefit something. So you're essential uh, if you benefit a particular group, a per particular ideology, a particular background, a particular bias. And as long as they can get you on their team until the point that you don't agree with them, 
You're essential. But the moment that you're on the fringe, you're placed in a non-essential category. That's what's happened in our country and in our world. You see it. It's happened to people, people groups. It's happened to jobs. It's happened to even belief systems. And if we're not careful, we will walk through the next season of life, the storms that happen, and we'll think essential, non-essential, essential, non-essential. But here's the reality. In the body of Christ, because of what Jesus has done for me, for you, for us, you are essential. Isn't that good? And to be able to understand you are essential because you're a part of the body of Christ... That is important to remember in these days and in the days ahead. But I want to move to part two. Part two of understanding what it means to be essential in the body of Christ is to understand that throughout all of history, every storm, every political and government upheaval, every moment of persecution, Every moment of historical challenge and difficulty all throughout recorded history. From the beginning of time, God's designated people have always found a way to gather in worship to him. And from the foundation of the very church that Jesus would build himself, which is about the believers, the people, the followers of Christ... From the beginning of Acts through the rest of the New Testament, all the way through the moments of history leading up to right now, one thing has remained the same about the body of Christ. They have always, irregardless of what they were going through or what challenged them, in the name of Jesus, because of faith in Jesus, they have always gathered together. And it is essential. One of the things about understanding how to have a vibrant faith, a real, living, growing faith, one of the things that is true for me, true for you, and true for believers all around the world is this reality that it is absolutely essential when all the trappings fall away, when all the persecutions come, when all the difficulties that we face in the storms that are external or internal, the storms of life, irregardless of what you may walk through in life, it is essential that you gather together with the body of Christ, believers in Jesus, to worship. And listen, in our generation right now, here's what's happened. Physical gathering has become challenging and difficult. There are many of you right now who are online because physical gathering has become challenging and difficult. But let me tell you this. The church of Jesus Christ has always found a way. And that's why some of you right now, you are online. Because there's a commitment to find a way for the body of Christ to gather together and worship to the Son of God, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Gathering in worship is essential. Here's what's fascinating. Uh, and many of you, you're back this week, but you were also here last week. And last week, um, when we went to one service, we kind of had our, our family, because of the times, 
We had our family in a couple of services and we realized, yeah, it would just be better. Watch this. For the family to gather together for maximum impact in a very challenging season of life and just be together. Where people could smile and you could see it in their eyes even though their, their faces are covered with a mask. Where people could elbow and fist bump. And, and yeah, you know what? Some of you broke the rules and that's why perhaps some of you are watching uh, online. Hey, great. You hugged somebody. Why? Because gathering in the physical presence of people has always been a factor in the community of the body of Christ. The working together of a healthy physical body. The body of Christ, it's always been about gathering together. And that is essential. So today, I want to take you to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Grab your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read a couple of verses. Actually, this morning, uh, the passage that I'm going to read uh, is found in the New King James Version. You're like, man, Pastor Michael, you, you're going old school. Well, hold on. Yeah, I'm going to go old school for a minute for those of you that are reading the KJV or the New King James Version. Uh, and that's because in the old school, they understand as well, by the way, gathering in worship is essential. It's not optional. If you view it as optional, you have separated yourself, amputated yourself from the body of Christ. And you've amputated yourself from what's going to feed you, grow you, help you become stronger in your faith. Help you have a vibrant faith. The old school knew that, but the new school knew that as well. And I'm going to read to you a new school translation in just a moment from the contemporary English version as well. And I want you to grasp the power of why gathering in worship is essential. So let's stand together in honor of the word of God. For God has inspired this word to be spoken to us. It was written by men of old, people of old who understood what it meant to experience God's best in community with one another. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 the words will be on the screen, and for those of you in our online family, you'll be able to read along with us as well. And this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. Let us. Let us. Not let me. Not, not let you exclusively. Let us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. For he who promised, he is faithful. He is going to come through. Verse 24. And let us. Let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Watch this. As is the manner of. Of some. 
But let us exhort one another. And so much the more. As you see. As you are aware. As your eyes are open to this reality. What is the reality? The day is approaching. The day is approaching. Let me read it to you in the contemporary English version as well. Because I, I think this one written from a contemporary perspective actually helps you grab the power of what was written to us and to believers then. But for us even today in verse 25. Listen to this. Some people have given up the habit of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Isn't that powerful to think about why gathering is essential? Let's take a moment and, and prepare our hearts, both for those of you who are gathered in this room and those of you who are gathered with us online. And, and I want this word today to help you in, in the midst of world change and challenge, in the midst of hurricanes and storms, in the midst of life crises that are going to face us all. I want you today... To maximize in your heart from this day forward a commitment to the reality that some things in faith are essential. And gathering together with the body of Christ, believers in Jesus, for corporate worship, it's not optional. It's just not optional for your faith. It is something that is essential to help you grow. So let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who right now can speak beyond anything that I can say or do or have prepared. I, I thank you that you know us. And therefore, by your inspiration, I ask in the name of Jesus humbly that you would strip away the trappings of this world and the challenges that we're battling through and the storms that we're facing. And for just a moment... Open us up and, and let us bear our souls to you in such a way where we realize the body of Christ, the church, is not an option for those of us who follow Jesus. It's essential to who we are, what we need, and our growth and our life. So God, even today, Somehow, some way, by your spirit, would you speak to each of us in this room and in our online family to every heart and every person and help us to expand our commitment to gathering because it's essential. And Jesus, you died for the church, the believers, the body of Christ. So help us to take it just serious in your name today. Amen. You may be seated. This message uh, comes out of a series where we all have had to look at life and we've all had to determine what's essential, what's not. What can I live with 
And what can I live without? How am I going to face the storms that are raging in the world and around me and yet also perhaps within me? How am I going to do that? And one of the things that's essential that we started with is you. To battle every storm, it's about you. You are essential, but you're essential also because you belong to something. You're a part of someone. And that someone is Jesus, who then connects you to someone else, the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, we are all members of one another. There's nothing else on the planet that allows you to be a part of that. Everything else you have to pay dues to get into. You have to say the right things to be a part of. Jesus paid your dues. Jesus paid your cover charge. You don't do anything. And by the way, you did enough of the wrong thing and we did enough of the wrong thing and said enough the wrong thing to be excluded. And Jesus said, no, you're included. You matter. You're essential. But then once you're bought in, and by the way, you didn't pay in, you were bought in. Jesus bought you into the body of Christ. And once you were bought into the body of Christ, then you belong to everyone else who is a believer and a follower of Jesus by faith. And one of the greatest historical expressions of faith for followers of Jesus has always since the beginning of time been corporate worship. It's always been that way. Here's what's interesting in our generation. Prior to even a world pandemic and, char and changes and challenges, there's a group, a generation that's coming up behind us and even people that think that the corporate gathering of believers is not necessary in our generation. There's a younger generation of pastors and leaders who are deconstructionist. And therefore, anything that has some traditional value to it, anything that could be questioned, anything that they don't understand, they begin to deconstruct it. And one of the things that a younger generation of ministers and thinkers tries to deconstruct is the gathering of God's people in corporate worship. Now listen, they will use bad examples and quite frankly, humanity moments even within the church to say, well, you see, it's just an institution. Well, you see, it's, it's just about the money. Well, you see that priest or that pastor, they failed. And they use the worst examples that actually are the best examples of humanity redeemed by Jesus. Gathering together under the authority of one perfect Savior. One. One perfect person. One. His name is Jesus. And broken people gathering together to worship the one who has redeemed and saved their broken lives and their broken souls. And yet these deconstructionists, they started to say, well, and, and so you don't need this. You don't need this. And, and now, here's what's happening in our world. Well, well you can't go to a building. Well, if you go to a building, um, we're going to penalize you. Do you realize in the country in which we live, there are churches, gatherings of believers facing lawsuits for gathering because they love Jesus. Oh, and, and listen, it's easy in this world now um, 
to be a person, an official in power, um, someone who can threaten the church. It's easy in this generation now um, to say, well, we're going to fine you, or we're going to sue you, or we're going to arrest you. Hey, I'm not talking anymore about what's happening in China or what's happening in some disrupted parts of Africa or other places in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, church, body of Christ, we're talking about the United States of America. And here's the reality. You have a choice to make about your faith. Is your belief in Jesus essential? Is salvation in Jesus' name essential? And if so, is it such that Jesus only died for you and that you're the only one that matters and therefore you're the only one that can say, well, I'm going to do what I want. I will submit to you from Scripture. You are way out of line as a follower of Jesus. And your faith very well is fragmented and is on the verge of being childish and irrelevant in a world that is controlled and manipulated by the devil. Your faith is very well on the verge of being powerless because you don't understand if you get into that category what it means and how essential it is for you to gather with followers of Jesus in worship. You can do it online. You are a part of us today if you are online. And God is working through moments like this to strengthen your home, your relationship. There is a time coming when this season will pass. And I would encourage those of you online, hey, this is a tool and a resource that we're using because we love you. And because I love you and I know God's got a plan for your life. And we're going to get through this together. But don't neglect just because it's comfortable to stay home and drink coffee. Hey, fix me a cup. Fix me lunch. Invite me over. I get it. But I'm going to be right here because I know what it means to gather together with you and with you and with you and with you. The power of what it means to be essential to gather in worship with the body of Jesus together. There's nothing greater than that. And this passage in Hebrews brings out three reasons. So I'm going to give you three, just three. By the way, I like to do that. I like to give you three, right? And I realize you online, you can only tolerate a few more minutes. So I'm going to try to keep this gathering convenient for you. But tune in and hold on because there are three reasons. Here's the life lesson. Write this down. Gathering with the body of Christ for worship is essential for a vibrant faith. Gathering... With the body of Christ. That's you. That's you. That's us. Gathering with the body of Christ. Doesn't matter what season of life, what storm you're facing. We need to gather. And gathering with the body of Christ is essential for a vibrant, growing, strong, healthy faith. It's what's going to pull you out of the gutter when you hit it. It's what's going to help you when the storms double up, triple up, and hit your home. It's going to help you. Gathering with the true believers is essential for a vibrant faith. And number one, the number one reason given in Hebrews that it's essential that we gather is that it first and foremost strengthens the confession of faith. 
Gathering together strengthens the confession of our faith. Let us hold fast, it's written in verse 23, and it says, let us. Not just let the pastor, not just let the staff, not just let the volunteers who serve, not just let the child care workers, right? Let us, together, working together, let us hold fast to the confession. What is our confession? The confession of our hope. What is our hope? Have you needed hope during this season of life? I've, I've needed the life raft of hope during this season of life. I've needed encouragement beyond most seasons of life that I've ever faced. I've needed that. And I've needed it from people who love me and that I love. I've needed it from friends that I love and that love me. I've needed it even from strangers. And I'm grateful for them. We all need that. There's something about gathering together and specifically gathering with followers of Jesus that just strengthens your confession of hope. And who do you hope in? Who do you hope in? Our hope is in Christ. I, I can tell you, right, um, our hope is not in government. Our, our, hope, our hope is not in medical answers, though I'm grateful for them. Our hope, and you see this, a lot of people, a lot of people have faced this. Your identity and your essentiality and your life purpose is not centered in your job. If it were, there are millions of people right now who would seem unessential. But you're not. Your hope in your life, your hope for all of us in the family of Christ is in the confession. And what's the confession? That God in his sovereignty and in his perfection of his character, he sent someone to rescue the imperfect. He sent someone to rescue the broken. He sent someone to snatch us up in the midst of our storms, both external and internal, even the storm of our soul. He sent Jesus who lived a perfect life. Don't miss that part. He lived a perfect life. And the perfect life is what empowered him to be a perfect savior. And therefore then, because he lived a perfect life, he could give a perfect sacrifice and die on a cross so that his perfect blood could be shed for imperfect people. And that all who would look to Jesus and trust in Jesus and believe in Jesus, their imperfections would be washed away in his perfect forgiveness. And he would secure for them a place in heaven forever. And he would make them family. He would make them belong. He would join all of those believers together and he would give them hope. In a hopeless world, he would give them the hope of how to battle and make it through life and how to live forever in a kingdom that is beyond anything this world could ever offer. That is the hope that Jesus gives. God sent that to you and I through his son. God gave us that hope. That is the hope of our confession. And therefore, we are encouraged, challenged, and told, hold fast to the confession of our hope 
without wavering. Have you felt like wavering? Do you feel like wavering? I mean, everything I see and read in the world creates wavering. It creates wavering for tomorrow. I mean, what's tomorrow going to hold? Especially when you got two hurricanes converging and man, they're going to destroy New Orleans. I'll be at home. Because your hope, your strength, your confession in Christ allows you to not waver. Allows you to not budge. Allows you to hold fast to Jesus. Do you know where that's strengthened? Do you know where that strength comes from? Hey, hey, look, we're going to talk about a part of it a little bit later in this series because there is something that is individually essential for you to do to grow your vibrant faith. We're going to get to that one. But today, before we even get to that one in this series, you have to understand that you are strengthened when you gather together with the body. Your hope is encouraged and build, built up. You are able to strengthen your confession that I believe in Jesus because I have someone standing with me, walking with me, encouraging me when I'm walking through these challenges that life brings. I am strengthened. We are strengthened by a body. Don't ever let the devil steal the reality that you need the body of Christ with you as a Christian. It's not a Han Solo kind of walk. You're a part of it. You belong to it. You need it. And it strengthens who you are. This morning as I was preparing to walk over here, and I normally have a prayer time backstage, and I'm running a few minutes behind, I see somebody pull up in the parking lot. Very specifically, they had an event happen in their life this week, and I said, I'm going to stop everything that I'm doing right now. I'm going to go hug that man's neck. And you know what? I did. Coronavirus, well, I can't say what I really think, right? But I'm going to go encourage that man. Why? Because he's a part of the body. His family's a part of the body. It was that important for me to let him know his family's prayed for. They are strengthened. They matter. They are essential regardless of what they're walking through. There's something about being in the body that strengthens your confession of hope. Your confession of faith. Therefore, it's essential. We are one body, all members of one another, as Romans 12 says. And therefore, being together in moments like this, it strengthens our confession together of faith. We hold fast together without wavering because he who promised is faithful. Here's the second thing that gathering together does. And it's referenced very clearly in this passage. Not only does gathering with the body of Christ grow us in our strength and of confession in Jesus, but it also stirs us up. And it stirs us up to love and good works. Being a part of the body of Christ, gathering with the body of Christ, it stirs up love and good works. 
Being a part of the gathering, the body, stirs up love and good works. Let us consider, verse 24 says, one another in how we may stir each other up to love and good works. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes people think that gathering in the church or even they dumb down Christianity to a religion of good works. You have plenty of those out there. You have plenty of churches like that. You have plenty of religions that are all about good works. And if you can add up your good works above your bad works, maybe you'll get somewhere in life. And maybe you'll get somewhere in eternity. That is categorically impossible. Likewise, it is the furthest thing from the truth about what your faith in Jesus truly is. Good works mean nothing unless they come from love. Love is the greatest gift of all, and let me show you why. Jesus didn't die on a cross to bring us together as a body just because it was a good work. Jesus didn't give his very life in heaven and then come to a wretched earth to be persecuted just so that you would be a better person and do more good than bad. No. Jesus came and gave his life on a cross and he did the right thing for us because he loved us. He loves you. Every good work without love, as 1 Corinthians 13 would say, means nothing. Anything good that you would try to do for someone else, if it's not motivated from a heart of love, it counts for naught. Jesus in his perfection and in his love, he reached out through the cross to rescue us. And he showed us this is the highest motivation for life. This is how you overcome those challenges. You do it through love. And if you love, you will then do the right things. You will do the right things for other people because you love them. You'll do the right things for your children. You'll do the right things for your parent. You'll do the right things for your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You'll do the right things for your spouse out of love. Love is the calling. And in this passage, gathering is about love. Gathering is about love. First and foremost, always exclusively, it is about gathering because you love Jesus. I mean, hey, I'm a guy just like many guys who love Jesus, and I understand it. You could fish every Sunday. I get it. It's my off day. I, I want to get close to the Lord in the wilderness. Bull. Bull. I call your bluff right now. Your faith is weak. Why? Because you lack love. Catch all the fish you want. Hunt everything you can. Enjoy your off day, but you lack love at the core of who you are. Love for who? Love for Jesus. 
Because gathering together is an expression and a moment. And listen, at best, it's an hour of your time. Love is expressed in worship with the body of Christ. And the more that you love someone, watch this, the more that you will do for them. The more that you love someone, the more that you will keep your word. The more that you love someone, the more that you will sacrifice. The more that you love someone, the more that you will give. And the gathering together of the body in the church, what does it do? It motivates us to love. Love Jesus. Love one another. And therefore then, because we love God and we love one another in the body, we then try our hardest. We then do our best to show kindness, grace, compassion, and do good things for Jesus and for others because we love them. That's the motivation. And that motivation is strengthened when you gather together and you understand the church. Here's what I love about you. You. I'm not talking about some other church out there. I'm talking about you. Here's what I love about you. During this season of time, here's what I've seen in you. A lot of grace, a lot of minimizing of what's not important and maximizing what is. I've seen a lot of love. And when you see a lot of love shown in the body of Christ, I'm going to tell you something. It is contagious and it's strengthening. We belong to one another. That is why we gather And it's why the church has always done it. We're not an exception. They've always done it as a part of strengthening their confession and stirring up one another to love and good works. Let me give you a very practical way that you can stir up and show love and help during this time. Because really, during this time, you know, it's like, what can I do? Well, I I can't come to the church and Um, And if I do, I have to wear a mask and I can't breathe in that mask. And if I do, I have to stay apart. And I know me, I can't stay apart from people. There are a lot of challenges. So let me encourage you practically, everybody, to do this. If you're watching online, like us and share it. Because that's one of the greatest ways that you can show the love of God to everybody in your social network and in your contacts. You can reach out. Do you realize this is one of the greatest generations and greatest moments and easiest moments for you to share the love of God ever? Do you realize that? Like, we used to be afraid of knocking on doors or talking to people. Now all you got to do is hit like. Now all you got to do is share. Do it. Why? Because you love. And because of your love for Jesus and your love for the body that you're gathered with, it's something good. It's something that you will feel good about. It's something that will allow you to express your faith. You can be an evangelist and not even realize it. You can share and not even have to break a sweat over it. The church, the gathering, is all about strengthening and helping people. Broken, fallen, humanity. Saving them together because of Jesus. Working together because of Jesus. and Strengthening together because of Jesus. It's all about Him. And gathering is our expression of love. Gathering is our expression 
of love. It's not about being just a good person. It's about love, God's love and how we show that to one another. And that brings me to the third and final thing. Because gathering together is essential for us to have a vibrant faith. It's essential. And gathering, it does something. It strengthens our confession. Let us encourage one another. Let us build one another up. Let us challenge and exhort one another. It stirs up love and it causes us to do good, to do good works. But here's the ultimate reason that we gather together. And this is why we call it worship. It's why we call it church. The final reason that you should not neglect the gathering of yourselves together in a season of life where it would be easy to do so. You don't want to do that because gathering together does this. It reminds us who's in charge. Gathering together is essential for our faith. Not just because it makes us feel good or we get to see people or we like our church or if you don't like your church. Get over that. Here's the reality. Someone else is in charge of our lives and going to church reminds us who's in charge. And listen, don't dumb it down and say, oh, well, the business group is in charge or that group of people is in charge or, or this, this preacher or that, that priest or whatever or this board. Come on, church. We do this because Jesus is in charge. We do this because we love the one who's in charge of this world, of our lives and our destiny. He's in charge. And that causes me to surrender more and more and really to experience more humility before one who has the ultimate authority. He's the one who controls the wind and the rains. He's the one who controls the world and all of the things that happen in it. Leaders rise and leaders fall, but Jesus our Lord stays the same. What he says of yesterday and today is true forever. No one else will treat you or say that to you ever. No one else can do that. They don't even have the capacity within themselves as humanity to tell you the truth and keep their word when they say it to you with all their heart. They're going to break it. Even Simon Peter understood that. I'm reminded even of Matthew the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. There's a wonderful moment. Church. Where in the Gospel of Matthew. Some things happen. Jesus' cousin John the Baptist is beheaded. And you know what? That broke Jesus' heart. It hurt him as a person. So he had to go up to a mountaintop alone. And grieve and pray all night long. And nobody was sensitive to what Jesus needed. Nobody was sensitive to what Jesus might be feeling because they all hunted him down the next morning. You know what he had to do? As you read through the gospel, he had to feed a bunch of people because they're hungry. They're going through a hard time. In the midst of his hard time, nobody thought about him. They just needed from him, right? But what did Jesus do? He laid it down, he sacrificed, and he fed him. Fed him. And then what happens in the midst of that, in the midst of this grief and then this miracle, he takes his disciples and he tells them, go to the other side of this lake 
And then Jesus, the way that only Jesus could do, he just takes a stroll across the ocean. Now, I tell you what, I've seen fake movies show something like that. Uh, I mean, you could set it up with your cool internet capabilities and your technology and you could show an image of somebody, but I've never seen anybody personally walk on water. But the Bible tells us Jesus just took a stroll. Oh, and, and by the way, he's so cool that double up the hurricanes, I'm going to walk through them. Bro, I'm going to face this storm. I'm going to walk through both of them. Oh, and the disciples, we're going to die. We're going to drown. No, 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 no. Calm down. I'm with you. And so Simon Peter, he says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, if it's really you, if it's not a ghost, and if it's not a bad taco, and if it's not just indigestion, and if it's not something that I'm hallucinating on, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. He says, come on. Simon Peter steps out of the boat. He walks on water. Then the challenge begins to come and he sees the wind and the waves and his faith begins to waver like all of ours does. And he begins to sink in life into this storm. Jesus reaches down and snatches him up. And man, why such a little bit of faith in the midst of all of this? Why so little faith? And then he puts him in the boat and he calms down storms. But I want you to understand what he did to him, what he did for him. Are you ready for this? Jesus put him in the boat. Who else was in the boat? I mean, come on. Was this just a Jesus and Simon Peter moment? Was it? No. There were 11 other people in the boat, by the way. I mean, I, I might would call that a church, right? A gathering. And they're all there and they're sitting there going... Whoa, who is this that the winds and the waves obey him? Oh, come on now, come on. Who is this? When you say, who is this? What are you beginning to do? You are beginning to have a confession. They in that moment together, they have this confession. Oh, oh and then... Surely, Simon Peter, man, look at you, bro. You're, you're sinking. Man, you, you had a bad moment. You don't belong in the boat. Oh, come on now. But when Jesus is in the boat, everybody belongs in the boat. When Jesus, let me, come on. When Jesus is in your boat, Christian, then everybody else who's a Christian is in that boat. And we all need a boat to save us in the midst of light storms. And guess who else was in the boat? It wasn't 12 disciples. Jesus was with them. You see, gathering together with the body of Christ, it reminds us who is in charge. In the midst of whatever storm it is that you may be facing, external, internal, this upcoming week, yes, we have to prepare, we have to make choices, etc. Those are physical things. But in life, the one thing that you will always find that is essential, listen, young people, younger generation, children, both here in this room and in online, hey, millennial, 
You're not too good for the body of Christ. You're not. Deconstructionist, you will have nothing. No friends, no family, no connection if you amputate yourself from what God has established as something essential for his people, for those that he loves and he rescues. Don't ever neglect the gathering of yourselves together for worship, as is the habit of some. Even then, they had a group that thought, I don't need it. It's not important. I love Jesus. I'm saved. I believe in him. I can do what I want. Even then, there were people like that. It's not something new for our generation. But I love how it was written in the CEV. Some people have given up the habit for meeting in worship. But we, 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 come on church, we, we must not do that. Why? It's essential. It's essential to strengthen faith. It's essential to connect us to love God's love and the love that we should show for one another. And it's essential because it reminds us in the sacrifice of a moment of time to gather for worship, it humbles us to remind us who's really in charge. We bow your heads right where you are and we pray with me for a moment. God of heaven, I, I pray right now for your peace. I pray right now for your presence. And I thank you deeply from the bottom of my heart for all of my friends, all of my family, for every single person who is gathered and connected right now. God, would you speak to them supernaturally, each and every one of them who are essential in your family. Would your Holy Spirit stir up within them this deep desire and yearning to experience you and know you, to feel you, to receive your love. God, I, I pray right now for any person who by life choice or circumstance, attitude, background, it doesn't matter. I pray for any person who is yet to connect into the body of Christ by trusting in your son, Jesus. And for every person both gathered here or gathered in online, God, I just pray right now that a sensitivity and a reality of their heart would open up to the Savior who wants to cleanse their soul. God, I also thank you today for the church. Those who have confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, and yet in their imperfection battle through life and sometimes feel like it's non-essential to gather. Today, strengthen the body, strengthen the believer, strengthen the church 
by adding to it those who become believers and by strengthening those who are already believers so that we may learn to strengthen one another, to hold fast to you, Jesus, and our confession of hope, God, that we would experience more and more of your love for us and therefore then live with the deepest passion and the deepest love both for what you've given and who you've given and what's around us and what we have to do. God, we pray for that. All while acknowledging you are in charge. Something about being together reminds us you, God, are in charge. Yesterday, you were in charge. Today, you are in charge. This week, you will be in charge. By being together today, we are reminded of that. So we trust you. We ask you for your goodness. Yes, Lord, as your children, your blessing. Yes, Lord, as your sons and daughters, your favor and your protection. Because you're our dad, you're our God, you're our father. And you can do these things. So as the church, we look to you. Would you do miracles? Would you answer prayers? Would you heal the sick? God, would you provide in the lives of those who are without? Would you help us as the church to see these things and experience these things? Because you're God. Your son has saved us. We are your body gathered on earth. So God, use us as a family following Jesus to impact our world. And it's in that amazing, only saving name, the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Thank you for gathering. It's essential. Thank you for gathering. It's essential. Do not neglect the gathering. Expand the gathering. Yeah, you can invite people with you. And until we get to full capacity, yeah, we're going to continue to gather here. But you can invite people online. You can. Expand the gathering. Do that through your social network and your connections. The body grows stronger when we gather, when we show up. We grow in our faith, and we grow in our love, and we grow in his authority. So gather. Thank you for gathering. Thank you as a part of gathering for giving. You have been faithful in this season of life in your giving. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being faithful with your resources. For those of you in the room, you can give on the way out. Or yes, you can still use your phones. And for those of you online, thank you for doing it. You can follow the links and you can go to our website and we provide that for you. It's a way of strengthening the gathering. And I'm grateful for what we're able to do together, not alone, together. And then I just want to encourage you as we continue to gather, as we continue to learn what is essential. There are ways also throughout the week for you to connect. Wednesday night is another way, but also specifically families, parents, your kids matter to us. And so Jumpstart's coming online right now for those of you 
who are looking from a distance, hey, look, let your kids gather. It's important for them to learn what you learned. So let them gather now. And for those of you who are here in the room, you can take your kids and you can tune into that after the fact. We're going to continue to minister to your whole home through this season of life because we know who he is and we know what's essential. God bless every single one of you. And I love you all and I'm thankful for you. Be encouraged. He's in the boat and he's in charge. Amen.